The following opinions expressed within the content are solely the speakers and do not reflect the opinions and beliefs of Child Free Media Limited or its affiliates. Hey! Hi, I'm Lenora. I am the creator of The Bitchy Bookkeeper. Hi, I'm Kristen. I am the author of The Age of the Child. Hi, I'm Isabel. I'm the founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark. And we are the three founding non-mothers of child-free girls. Today's topic is pronatalist privilege. Now, what do you girls think this means? Um, I think when I think of pronatalist privilege, the veil of protection around parents, you know, they can't be, granted, they are criticized horribly by everyone. They're judged by everyone. There hasn't been a six months that have gone by when the Today Show hasn't talked about whether mommies should drink on their kids' play dates. It's ridiculous. Or whether moms should breastfeed or, you know, moms are just always under attack. But on the other hand, you're also not allowed to judge anything. You're not allowed to question anything. Um, you're not allowed to question whether they should have children, whether they should have more children, how they're raising their children, not non-polite personal person to person company. There's just, there's just a sort of little shield around them that I find obnoxious. When I think about pronatalist privilege, I just see it as a form of elitism, like parents are here and everyone else who does not have children is like second class citizen, essentially. That's all I have to say on that. <laughs> the reason I wanted to talk about this subject today and what prompted it was uh, a quote from Jody Day. Let me just find it. So she was uh, at the Fertility Fest in 2018 and one of her one of the things she said was pronatalist privilege shares its systemic structure with all other forms of isms, including sexism and racism. It's a way of seeing the world from a privileged vantage point, elevated above others, and nearly always conferred without effort. And I could not agree more. It really annoys me, and it really annoys me that just because people have kids, they think that they're entitled to more things than people who don't have kids. And it, it, it happens like a, at a small level. So the other day, just for another example, the other day I was at the hairdresser. So I had an appointment. I was going to get waxed because I love that. And uh, I was sitting in the waiting room right in front of the, of the front desk. And I see, I was waiting for my turn, and I see this heavily pregnant woman just come, like, walking, and she's paying because she had just, you know, gotten her nails done or whatever. And I was looking at my phone. And then at some point, she dropped her receipt on the floor, and that made me look up. And, like, she dropped it, and she just looked at me, like, are you going to pick it up? <laughs> And my response was like, I had my phone here and I was like, nope, I <laughs> just carried it on. Because whatever, you know, like, and well, she left it on the floor, by the way, because nobody else picked it up for her. So um, it's those kind of things that 
rub me the wrong way in a micro sense. But in the macro sense of the word, like in the, at a bigger level, it bothers me that parents get subsidized, that parents get money being given to them by the government. It bothers me that they get tax breaks, you know? And I, I had this conversation with, I think it was Amy Blackstone. Um, and she was saying that it's really hard in the States specifically to get out of poverty, but it's even harder for people who don't have kids because you don't get tax breaks. And also, aren't we as child-free people also giving something to the community, you know, by not polluting more, for example, or don't even get me started about the time that women or people in general in, when they're at work get they can get off anything, off the hook of anything. You know, people without kids, we are supposed to work overtime. They just expect us to be in the office all the time. I'm, I'm talking about like in general. People with kids get the privilege of going early because they have to go pick up a kid or whatever. So it's, I think, I feel we're at a disadvantage basically. I don't think they see child-free people as contributing um, anything by not contributing to pollution because they're not, at least in this country, if you've noticed, <laughs> in this country, um, fears of pollution, fears of global warming, um, all of that stuff is some sort of liberal plot to, to do something nefarious. I can't imagine what. Um, so their concerns don't typically run um, in the direction of humanism or or planet saving it's it's all just money and if we're not having babies we're not making new little customers that coca-cola can sell to while babies are still on bottles you know and getting in there just so they can have lifelong customers and it's really weird to me that that that's the um i'm not an economics genius by any means i had to study my ass off just to get a b in microeconomics but it seems like you don't need to create little buyers of products if the population reduces itself naturally through fewer people having children because the fewer people we eventually have, the fewer manufacturing businesses you need to supply these people. So it seems like it would all just sort of scale down the fewer people we have, you know, the fewer people, the fewer businesses, the fewer homes, the fewer cars, just naturally, because those people aren't there to use them. There might be a, a moment of adjustment in the meantime, because, you know, you have too many people on one end and not enough on the other. Like some people are concerned about who's going to give caregiving to old people who don't have children. Um, whatever, I'll be an old person without kids. It's my responsibility if I starve to death in a, in a, in a, basement apartment that's not for you to concern yourself with but yeah it does it doesn't seem that the concern is is anywhere beyond one's self and how one can earn money from any produced little buyers and workers and drones my thought okay so first of all i agree with what's been said I was also thinking of the tax breaks and I do taxes. I do my brother's taxes and I do um, his baby mama's taxes. And I, you know, 
divide who claims what child and that sort of thing. So I see kind of how they use those. And, and also I see how much money they get back from uh, the child tax benefit or the credit. I don't know the exact wording that we have because obviously I don't use that for my own taxes, but I have an idea of what money comes back. <laughs> uh, this may is, I guess, kind of a joke, but it's also how I feel. I think, you know what, if you're having kids and I know an inkling of some of the crap you have to go through being a parent, all the more power to you if you get some money back from the government, because you know what, you need all the help you can get, not just financially, but emotionally and all that stuff. Like, you know, fine. If, if people are going to have maternity leave, I mean, for me, that's a, actually a thing because I, I mean, financially, I was able to fund, I mean, I've been out, I haven't had a, a nine to five job in two years. And luckily, I've been able to afford that myself. That's very, like a rarity. So I, it would be nice just to have, you know, a paid year off as a child free person, you know, ignore the fact that I could find that, but that would be great because we all need breaks too, you know, just because we don't have little ones at home doesn't mean that we need some personal time. And I've always... I've either been self-employed or worked for very small companies that don't come with perks like that. So I've always had a very different life. Like I can't, I've never had a, a personal day, like a paid personal day. Cause I've, like I said, either worked for myself or a small company that didn't offer stuff like that. So I hear those that happens. It's just not been my personal experience, but that would be nice. That would be really nice. As far as privilege goes, my my biggest gripe is the the general interaction with parents and i'm not talking about my personal friends and close family members but just it's the attitude that they bring to a conversation when you don't have children and i see this on social media as well when people say oh well you don't know tired because you don't have children i know this is a sore point for a lot of child-free people who think what i can't be bone weary exhausted because of whatever reason like whether it's an illness or you just you know everyone gets run down from working 50 hours a week whatever the case is it's the comparison of just because i have kids i have the right or i'm entitled to be more tired than you could ever possibly imagine and it may be true but why take away from somebody else's experience like if you're tired you are tired you know that's, I think, my biggest, when I think parental or pronatalist privilege, I think of that, that example, you know, emotionally, more than anything else. There is a difference, and this wasn't even my child who was, who was at our house. Um, when Ian and I lived in some other state, a friend came to visit, and he brought his, um, I think he had like an eight-year-old and a baby at the time, and they both came over, and so it was the man, his wife, and their two kids. And they were there for a couple hours. We had dinner. It was great. The baby was adorable. The kid was cute, very nice, super cool family. Um, but when it was time for them to go to bed, they were staying at our house. They went upstairs, and Ian went upstairs too, and I was all alone, and the house was quiet. And I've never experienced a quiet like that, a, a moment of I'm finally alone. I mean, it was um, it was completely different from any alone feeling I had ever felt. And I think I understood just a fraction of what it must feel like for a parent when the kids go to bed 
or when the kids are at school finally after, you know, maybe where they finally go to second grade and they're gone all day. But that was that was an amazing educational moment. <laughs> I had one of those. I woke up when my nephews were younger. I think the youngest one came over. He was, I think he was four. Four or just turned five. One o'clock in the morning, I hear this voice from the guest room, Auntie, I puke. And sure enough, there was vomit all, all over my brand new bed I bought. And I was up for three hours mopping puke, trying to wake up my brother who lived in another town to come pick the kid up because I do not do well with bodily fluids. <laughs> and it was so gross. <laughs> and the kid's in the bathroom. This little kid, he's at my nephew. He's in the bathroom. And my first concern was to my mattress. <laughs> Just like, he was like hosed off. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, my bed, my like the bed, the bed, right? And he, and then I go back in the bathroom and he's just like, you know, sniffling and trying to wipe the puke off of his arms. I'm like, right, Lenora, focus on the child first. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and that was, I was exhausted after that. You know, four o'clock in the morning, I finally had, my brother come pick him up <laughs> he finally woke up after i sent a million texts wow. so yeah um if that means you get more tax breaks because you have to deal with that fine whatever i'll be okay well, yeah but there's a but, there's a flip side to that so regarding the tax breaks there is also a flip side to that and this is something that i okay so i lived in france for a few years and you know that France is one of the countries that gives people the most amount of, you know, benefits in terms of subsidies and tax breaks. I mean, because they have to pay a lot of tax, actually. So the government has a lot of money to do that. And I remember uh, they were trying to incentivize women to have more children because French women at the time were having one kid. I think it was one point something on average, and they needed more because the baby boomers were coming to the age of retirement and well, you know. And somebody said to me, you know what? The government gives, I can't remember the exact amount, but it was a lot of money for every kid that you have per year or month or whatever it is. And there were women in France who were actually getting pregnant and having kids only to get the government's money. So how are these kids going to be raised by somebody who is only having them because they want to get the government's money. Yeah, and it seems like what they're not thinking about is if you have a child, I would imagine that if, if someone is going to have a child just to get the government's money, and they're maybe not all that invested in the child itself, then the child might grow up in a situation where they're not necessarily going to be a productive member of society. You know, if, if, the, if the interest is in, um, what elder care or, or, you know, all the old people are dying off. So they need new people to replenish them and become the, the buying power of the country. You know, um, ha, if they're not raised to be productive and self-sufficient and, you know, kind of go-getters, they might not be making the money that would help them buy the stuff that the government wants to sell. I don't know. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. We have that issue here, and I'm not going to say which, I'm not going to get specific with names, but any Canadian will know who I'm referring to, uh, with that exact issue. And I've seen it throughout 
well, as long as I've been alive, whether going to school with certain groups or, you know, just being an adult, I've seen what happens, the triple trickle effect of that, where the government is like, here, here's money. And then, you know, flash forward to 30 years and now looking at my own responsibilities that I have and compare it with some people that have grown up where things were handed to them from the government and it's a big contrast so uh it's it's very for me it's very political and i don't want to get into it because it's a it is a great year for for the government bailing out people and i'm not just talking about um immigration because there's a place for that as a taxpayer born and raised in this country as a taxpayer I know how, and I've, I've, I'm in a fortunate position, but still I've had to work for what I've, for what I enjoy. I still have had to work and make something of myself. So to see somebody else my age and, you know, and, and this is still going on for younger generations, older generations, to see the contrast from someone who's had everything handed from the government to them, you know, it just... And then, of course, they're procreating because they get money from the government. Uh, that that bothers me. And it worries me because I'm like, if those are the people that are going to be taking care of those younger generations or who are going to be taking care of me, oh, God. <laughs> you know, like that's, it, it's, it's an issue. It's an issue here. I don't think I like incentives to have children. I do like that companies will um, provide, like if, if there's a company in it and it puts a daycare somewhere in this big office building, I think that's great. Um, I think it's great that they offer maternity leave. They should offer an equal amount of paternity leave because parent because a father has just as much of a need to bond with his baby as a mother does. Um, but then they should also offer a similar amount of time to someone who might like just have it sitting there in a little time cushion for someone who might need it to care for an ailing spouse or an ailing parent or sibling or you know anything you might need it for to care for another human being um that just seems fair but then they might argue well okay so mary then just took x amount of maternity leave and now her mother is in this situation so now we're giving her double so we can't do that, which means you don't get anything. I don't know. I mean, there are expenses for sure. Um, but if they could even it out, I think it would be fine. But I think with offering things like maternity and paternity leave and it, whatever other help they give parents, um, it would be nice if they could balance it out with some kind of messaging or instruction about responsible procreation versus everybody have babies now all the time, no matter what. I think the key word there is responsible because it's like we've discussed several times, many people, when they decide to bring other human beings into this world, they don't really think about the consequences. I mean, not the consequences. They don't think about the obligation that that entails. They don't really think about the big responsibility that that is. Um, so it's really, I would love it if people would have to take, like to have a license to become parents, you know, that, that would be, 
I, I don't remember who suggested at some point, I saw this somewhere or read about this somewhere, that every single male boy should be sterilized at birth. And then after they pass like a test, they should, they, they, then they get like a license to become a parent, basically. I think that's really on the other opposite end of the spectrum of, you know, just being very controlling uh, of human being of human beings in general and, and, and their bodies. But when I, I heard that, I was like, I mean, that's a really bad idea, but uh, it would be, it would be nice if there's, there was a way to, you know, to human beings to make a decision, an informed decision. Um, whether they should or, not, or should not become parents for whatever reason. I've said this before, I think in our last episode, and it comes. I think it comes down to money. Again, there's a lot of money to be made from families and marketing to parents and babies and all that sort of thing. And, oh, this is what I was going to say in our chat when we were discussing this before, earlier, that for me, parenthood is a scam. It's like a pyramid scheme. You know, you got the people at the top, the government, whatever, and all these little peons at the bottom having children, all this stuff, because they're funding everything that runs this world, you know, like work, because you have a kid, well, you have to go to work, you have to support, you got to do this, well, you need to buy a minivan, you got to, you know, everyone's working their butts off to support the next generation who's going to grow up to work their butts off to support the younger generation. It's this continuous cycle. It's a pyramid scheme, essentially. And I've seen the uh, people use the term cult, which I also agree with how parenthood is a cult because everyone wants you to come into it. They'll give you incentives to join, you know, join, we'll give you money, the government will give you money. Uh, all the benefits of being a parent, like the best love you'll ever know, all that sort of thing. And then once you're in it, you can't get out of it. Okay, so big on the uh, licensing thing because I have read Kristen's book, which is kind of scary going down that route. Pardon the interruption, it's time for a short interlude. Oh, by the way, in the age of the child, it's the women. It's the girls who are sterilized at birth, or they're not sterilized, they're given a hormonal um, birth control. Right, yeah. Um, and they can't get the birth control deactivated until they've gone through an evaluation process, you know, to determine their level of empathy and compassion and their general mental fitness. But the reason they do that to the women is because if you do it to the boys or, or the men, if one guy you know, if he ends up being able to produce a child, he can go ahead and impregnate like a thousand women in a week. But if a woman, if a woman's birth control fails and then she can't, you know what I mean? She can't get, it's one person who can get pregnant versus all the women. Now back to a regularly scheduled programming. so big on the uh licensing thing because i have read kristen's book which is kind of scary going down that route but it's like the, you know how the the pro-birth you know how people that say that they, they claim to be pro-life but they're really pro-birth because they don't care after the child is born 
when as we're discussing this this is what i think how i'm thinking is that nobody really cares if you have children or not it's just it it's it's a big money-making thing so everyone's gonna the government's gonna give what it can to give the incentive for people to have children as other companies do because that's how they like babies are us toys are us uh whoever you know whatever companies sell to family johnson and johnson you know who who make everything those are all geared towards families there's a lot of money to be made so they're not probably really going to care what kind of quality of life the average person has as long as you buy their products and as long as you keep having kids they're going to find the idea of having children like it's just i keep seeing dollars when it comes down to it that's what i see is money it had they really don't like we could have all of the best ideas on how to help families um raise great children and schools but you see all the like here how many every year there's there's more health care cuts there's more cuts to education and we've got people like schools bursting with children here and they're cutting back on teaching uh, teaching hours or salaries or you know all that sort of thing which doesn't make any sense to me it's just they want to keep the population going to fund whatever they need they want to survive and they don't really care about the quality of life. So all of that stuff is never going to really pan out is my thought. The demographics are very important for a country and they are definitely tied directly to economics because it's all about consumption. It's all about growth of consumption and it's all about growth of consumption. It's not only generating more sales to private corporations, but it's also generating more taxes for the government. So there is, of course, definitely a link. But why is it that, okay, so we know that that's something that is kind of required. If you have recently read the articles of what's going on in Japan, that 30% of women are not going to become mothers, the government in Japan is panicking. They don't know what they're gonna do. Um, And the same thing for Canada. So up until a few years back, there was population in Canada was also, you know, diminishing, I would say, because there were less births. And Canada rolled out a program for everyone in the world, whoever wanted to move there, specifically the Quebec province. And I know this because I have so many, not friends, but I know a lot of people who went through the whole process of being able to get a work permit, move to Canada, and then become citizens. And the reason being, there aren't enough babies in this country to sustain the economy. This was not even 10 years ago. This was recently, right? Um, So I, I get it, but what is it about that? What is it about the fact that countries need people that makes pe- people who are parents think that they are entitled to everything. Because they're always told, because that's one of the, like Laura Carroll probably talks about it in The Baby Matrix. Um, it's been a while since I've read it, but I know that I have a feeling this is a component, like at least it's one component of what she talks about. Um, part of getting people to reproduce is making them feel like they're doing a very important job. Um, So they get this message that parenthood is self-sacrificing and therefore noble. 
Um, it's the most important job in the world. It's, you know, it's all these, these grand, grand things. Somehow also simultaneously something everybody can somehow do. I don't, I don't know if I would trust everybody with the most important job in the world. Like you are not cutting me open to remove anything in my body if you're not qualified, but whatever. Um, yeah, so they get all this messaging and then all the all the commercials that show mommy as the only one who knows how to pick juice, the only one who knows how to clean, the only one who never stinks up the bathroom, uh, <laughs> the only one who can make pizza roll-ups, like her teenage son doesn't know how to make pizza, the whatever's in the microwave, she has to do it for him and his friends when they come home all stinky. I mean, moms know everything, they are trusted to do everything, they're like, Jesus Christ, they're Mother Mary, I don't <laughs> It's, I mean, and so you have this image of, oh, I can be one of those people, I guess. Um, and I guess that messaging works. I don't know. And then there's also the guilt. There's the whole, there's, there's that other message that if you're not a mother, you're, you're wrong. I mean, and that's probably more in the religious realm or traditional conservative realm that that's your job. It's your duty. They don't make it sound as fun. They make it sound more kind of like something you're really, really supposed to do. Um, there's just it's from everywhere and so you have the the personal level being being added to by the whatever the government does to get their message out and so there's just no logic to it it seems like it's all very emotionally charged and emotionally based and self-worth based i i totally slipped my mind but i can definitely ex speak to the religious aspect growing up as I did, yes, family, and by family, I mean father, mother, children, biblical, like, I grew up raised, I was raised as, um, literally doing what the Bible says, that is, the Bible was how, the blueprint for our lives, that's how I was raised, and yeah, family. I mean, that's all I saw was family, again, meaning father, mother, children. No variation of that. Uh, that was... Okay, and because I saw that, that it gave the image I had of motherhood, and I had a stay-at-home mom who enjoyed being a mother, even though she was raising me, who fought her for everything. Uh, you know, my mother, and then I'll exclude my mother from how... Well, no, I guess I should include her because every woman I saw who was a mother, you know, was a servant to the husband. And I'm not talking in an abusive way. I'm just saying like the way the Bible has it presented is that, you know, the man is the head of the household. And we were, I mean, I grew up hearing that three times a week because I went to church three times a week. So, you know, for 16 and then let's say the 25 years, because even when I didn't go to church, it was still like a cloud over my head. So for 25 years of my life, this is how this was ingrained in me from birth. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a battle to fight against that because my natural assumption was, yes, okay, I'll be a wife and I'll be, and I'll marry a man and I'll have children and there's nothing I can do about it, even though I don't want it. So that had, for me, that had more of a, an effect on me more so than a government point of view saying oh we'll give you money here's tax breaks here's the benefit the tax benefits of having a family mm -hmm. mine was more religious based and i don't even know why i didn't even think about that when i was preparing for this because that's a huge it's a huge thing and when you see it and when your friends 
are saying the same thing because as a woman, as a girl, you know, it's like, okay, who's available and let's get married right after high school and pop out some children. I mean, that's, that's kind of the standard practice. I and mean, you can kind of have a career, but not really. It's second or third or fourth down the rung. Right. And even my mother, like she didn't have a career once she had me and my brother. So society does not set us up for success in general, uh, including education, like uh, elementary school, high school, in my opinion. And it does not help anyone who is who thinks differently, who has different ideas, including being child-free. I don't think, you know, like Isabel, you ask why, why is this connected? Why, you know, why, why is, why does this exist? The pronatalist privilege. <laughs> why does pronatalist privilege exist? Well, in my opinion, it just doesn't, there's no other option. It doesn't, society doesn't help us find another alternative. Or if we do find an alternative, they consider it less than, hence childless. But you know what the kicker is of all this? That the moment that you conceive a child, it stops being about you and it becomes about the child. So at some point, you're the child, you start growing, and then you become a second-class citizen to give way to your child. Who doesn't matter, by the way, once I'm not sure at what age they're cut off in terms of when they're valuable. Um, but, you know, there are so many kids who are, um, you know, five kids a day die of neglect or abuse at the hands of their, their parents or guardians. You have a lot of kids who are, who somehow find their way into sex trafficking um, or other trades. Uh, and there isn't a whole lot of effort to save those kids. There's not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of interest in their well-being at all. So it's very clear that they stop mattering as soon as they exit the vagina. That's that's basically it. They don't matter once they're out of your body. But people don't see that. It's so I saw a comment on somewhere on social media today how um, motherhood, this is specific to motherhood, is romanticized, which is true. Here in my, in Western society, parenthood is romanticized because even, I think back to even my grand, my, my grandmothers who had a lot of children between the two of them. I know there was not a lot of happiness there. Not really, especially on one particular side of the family. And, you know, kids were involved. It was the, the traditional traditional family life. But there wasn't a lot of happiness. I am a person that likes to be happy when it comes down to it. And I am responsible for that. And my goals, my dreams matter. And actually, it's funny. You talk about the age. There is, this is, again, my mother. In the Bible... I'm sorry to get biblical on this, and I don't necessarily believe the Bible, as I don't necessarily believe it, but this is how I grew up. Is that by the age of 12, you have to be at your own understanding. So I was taught that um, if a mother is a believer, her child will get, in, if, if, she die, if the child dies before the age of 12, the child will get into heaven, as long as the mother was a believer. But after the age of 12, you're on your own for your own salvation. 
And I kind of think society does that that way too. So this is how I grew up. <clears throat> okay. Uh, and ask me again why I don't want to have kids. <laughs> it's just, oh my God. So yeah, uh, if that's how it works there, I mean, society's kind of taking that again. Like there's age of consent, which varies in different areas. Um, but I don't believe, I don't believe that anybody cares. I don't believe anyone really can care because everyone's so wrapped up in their own, so their own bubble, their own life, trying but to survive. You don't want to have kids or until you want abortion, then they're very much all up your ass. Yeah. But, but it's not, it's not even personal. It's not even personal. Not really, because they're not going to do anything to help you out. If you, of course. If, if you go through, they're not going to give you money. They're not going to like rub your back when you're sick while your baby's puking. Like they're not going to take babysit for you. No one is going to help you out. They just want to spout off and say, oh, well, you know, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't. Well, are you going to help me? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was all for our episode today. Thank you for watching the Child Free Girls. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel just click on the seal down here and you can watch our video uh, the past video we did if, we ha if you haven't watched it it's gonna be below Lenora just click on it and if you want to send us an email you can write to childfreegirls at gmail.com we would love to hear from you send us your questions your comments whatever you want to tell us just shoot us an email and we'll see you on the next episode we hope you enjoyed this episode presented by Child Free Media Limited. To stay current with child-free content like this, please visit childfreemedia.com and subscribe to the newsletter.